Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I am talking with my friend from the Leftover Army, Philip Guillet. Philip and I started the <laughs> started the call earlier and just started having some really good conversation right off the bat, and so kind of totally skipped doing an intro. So here we are, just recording this after the fact. Uh, so why don't we just jump into that conversation already in progress? Hmm? Like it's such a nice day. I've I've got three windows open here, so if like kids go running down the sidewalk making oh, noise, nice. or if a bird camps out outside, you know, people people are just gonna have to make like pickles and deal with it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I never heard that. Be- I've never heard that before. <laughs> I have a roll of duct tape that's got a bunch of pickles on it, and they're all saying "deal with it." It's like my favorite. <laughs> I'm gonna be so sad when it's all gone. Were you there in 2020? Yes. Okay. So it was right before the pandemic hit. Yes. Yeah, dude. Well, well was... no, no. Actually, hang on. Let me rephrase. Or it was kind of as it was hitting. <laughs> it was as it was hitting, but before it was immediately before everything was shut down. Like, had that con been scheduled two weeks later, it would have been canceled because oh, for it sure. was at the end of February. And by mid-March was when all the schools were shutting down, when all, like, grocery, like, everything, you know, that was when it was, like, lockdown and, yeah, uh, like, essentials only. So we got it pretty much at the 11th hour. Had it been any later, it would have been canceled. So it's like this is the first time most of us are going to be back since right before. So it feels like a lifetime. Yeah, be, I, they did have a C2E2 last year, right? They yeah, it was in December, and some went, but it was like we, because it was in December, but but they announced it in September, so it wasn't like yeah, we right. didn't have much. Yeah, we didn't have much of a time to really like organize something, and then immediately after, I think in early early January was when they posted um the august dates so it's like okay that's enough notice for us to like actually like get some shit together so and that's this one i wonder if they're going to keep shifting it nana and i were talking about this in last week's episode but i wonder if we're gonna if they're gonna keep shifting it and trying to get it back to that you know late winter early spring somewhere in there yeah I wonder how it's going to be. I've never been in Chicago in the summer. Like the only times, (laughs) the only times I've been there were like during the winter. So, I mean, it's, it's bitter. It was just bitter cold. Oh yeah. So I don't know how it's going to be like, I don't know how I should direct. Like I'm trying to pack as light as I can, but I'm just like, should I get like long pants? Should I get short? Should I get? So I'm just, yeah, I'd just bring a selection because it, it might get chilly at night, especially right there on the lake. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Next week, <laughs> next week, it's supposed to be like in the hundreds here. And, you know, I'm only wow. a few hours away. So, yeah, it, it might be pretty damn warm <laughs> late next week. I don't know. Uh, it's it's fucking perfect know. here today, though. It's been like, yeah, you know, mid to upper 70s and kind of breezy all day today. Yeah. It's just been perfect. But that uh, 2020 yeah. con, it was kind of chilly. I remember I was, uh, I had my my down jacket with me. <laughs> yeah, and that and was I the year think... that you did the black suit Superman, right? Yes. See, and, yes. And you did that on Friday, I think. So I didn't get to see it on Saturday, but I saw the pictures online, and you looked fucking incredible, Thank dude. Thank you. It Thank was you. so good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, about that, um, I, the suit had to be redone because uh, I had to get, so I had it custom made. And um, when, obviously, and it wasn't in person too, I had to take my measurements and send them to who's making it. And um, I had done my measurements in like September. And by the time the thing arrived in December, I was too big. Like I couldn't <laughs> fit in the suit. So I'm like, oh shit. I did redid my measurements and even added like maybe like half an inch or an inch because I was because I was still working out. Um, and that suit arrived the I think the day before I left. And it yeah because I think I did, I had to pay for like express shipping and express everything because I was just like shit do that you got to do this again and I need it like in a month and it was coming from overseas and I think it was either the day before it couldn't have been the day of because that would be too like rom like romanticized like it arrived <laughs> no I think it was, it was the last day <laughs> it was the last day yeah. But it, I, it was the last full day. So what happened was that I had to leave. I had to leave my office to make sure that it was there because it was my last full day. I was here before leaving. Um, the and I came home to a slip on the door. So the guy I missed him. Oh, shit. So I had to call. The I had to call the shipping. I don't know if it was UPS or DHL or 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 whoever, but I had to call them. And but I think a signature or or some sort of drop off was required. So they had to get in touch with the driver who then went to the leasing agency. And I don't think I knew that. So I keep calling the shipping and they said, yeah, our driver dropped it off at the leasing agency. Well, our leasing agency was only open for like two more hours. So I had to run over there and basically, anyway, I got it, but it's like, oh, there was so much, like so many phone calls. And I like, I was panicking because I'm like, I did all of this for this outfit. And if it, if it came a day later, it would have been, I think it would have been too late because I left early in the day. So, yeah, it was – even if it didn't come on the day I left, it might as well have. But, yeah, it all worked. Um, I haven't worn it since then. I would love to know. I'd be curious to know how it fits. I mean you've been working out even harder since then, haven't yes. you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I, you got to go into your gym routine a little bit here. Because when you posted it online that time, I was in awe. I was like, "Damn, well, dude, that was Phil a year. gets after it." Yeah, that was a that was a montage of a year. So I, I and um, I'm not sure, but I think it was in largely in chronological order. So like the beginning of the video was like around January or February of 2021 and it ended in December of 2021. Um, I have got, I, I, I do think I've gotten bigger since then. Um, and I typically work out for about three hours a day, like not every day, but about three hours. So I do an hour and a half of weights and an hour and a half of weighted cardio. So I, have 20 pounds that I strap to each of my arms and I go outside running. Um, Whoa. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, um, where do you strap them out on your arm? They're, 
ankle weights. So there's technically they're supposed to be ankle weights, but I have um, I have two five pounders that I put on each arm, so that's ten pounds, and I carry an additional ten pounds of kettlebells. So I'm I'm. <laughs> so you just got them like and, a, like hooked around your wrist like a big bracelet, and then you're carrying a they, kettlebell a kettlebell also. They look like can like yeah they they look like cannons. <laughs> like awesome. I look like Meg, like Mega Man. That's what I was just gonna say. You look like Mega Man. <laughs> yes, that's ex- that's what it is. And um, I I I think I look ridiculous, but I gotta say the the gains have been killer because the thing is that when you're out there. Uh, you can't just put them down. It's like however far I go out there, and it takes about an hour and a half. And however far I go, I also have to keep in mind I have to come back. Um, so it, there is no putting the weights down. And first of all, most half of the weight is already strapped to me, so I can't put it down. Um, I can at least put the kettlebells down on the ground. But um, yeah, so um, – and like I said, I just met, met with my trainer today. So I, I do training once a week and I do other like uh, I go to the uh, another gym two additional times a week. Um, and yeah, I just have I just I love it. Like it's 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 not so much of an effort. It's like it is genuinely enjoyable for me. So, yeah. I remember when I used to hit up the gym all the time. I, I really, really miss it. Um, yeah, because for a while there, like, I used to get after it super hard like that. Yeah. To where, you know, I'd be rock climbing three times a week, be doing really intense, um, you know, some sort of gym session. They had, like, a rotating schedule where I'd go, and I'd do that, I think, like, every Tuesday and Thursday. And so then I would... I would go and do like an hour at that gym, sometimes mm-hmm. do a double header and do two hours at that gym and then still come home and always climb in the gym for like one to two hours every yeah. Tuesday and Thursday. And then I'd try to get in about like nine to 12 miles a week of running at the same Damn. time. And then if I was lucky, I'd be going out and either bolting new routes or, or climbing on the weekends. So that'd be, you know, putting on a really heavy pack that weighed anywhere from 70 yeah. to like... 70 to 90 pounds and hiking hills. <laughs> Damn, I want to go. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. Like this is normally this would be like, man, that sounds like that sounds terrible. But like now I'm at the point where I'm just like, that sounds great. Like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> that would be building trails also. So, I mean, we'd be out there, you know, cutting up dead cedar trees with hand tools yeah, and then having to throw these big like phone pole type logs over your shoulder and like carry them distances and then work them into like the trail and so you're like lumberjacks yeah working with like shovels and pickaxes and stuff and it's like man that shit just makes you stupid strong but we'd all be (laughs) laughing the entire time doing it being like this is the hardest work any of us have done for free like we're we're just doing it purely for fun because that's all it is is a made-up game you're playing in the woods Mm -hmm. and (laughs) i do miss it but it just feels like anymore it's like I just don't have the t- I don't have the time to go out and just be in the woods like that. I wish I did. Yeah. Maybe that that's my big dream. You know how everybody's got their lotter their lottery dream. Mine mm-hmm. would be to like buy a piece of land that could be developed into like hiking and climbing and stuff like that. And it'd be like, "What are you doing today?" It's like fucking building trail. Well, and just up have new routes lot- and shit. 
have a log cabin out there. Oh, it would be so incredible. I would it love would to have be. a log cabin. Yes. With, with a chimney in it and like a back porch that faces west so you can watch the as, sunset and have an afternoon lo- coffee. At, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. <laughs> like as long – I will say though the one thing – uh, Wi-Fi. I just want to have. If oh I yes, for sure. Wi-Fi. I want it to be modern. Yes, that's yes. <laughs> but everything, like, yeah, that's like that's where, yeah, that's where I sort of like my head is at now. It's just like I, I love being amongst nature. I love just, yeah. Dude, there's that like mega jackpot right now that's up over a billion. If I I win that one, my log cabin will be up on top of a bluff where there's going to be like a cave at the bottom of it. And I'm going to have a whole fucking Batman set up. It's going to be the shit. (laughs) Oh, have an an elevator or or like a tunnel that shoots straight down. Can you imagine? (laughs) So cool. (laughs) So there was so there was something that that uh, I I don't know if it was a video I saw on TikTok or Instagram or 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 whatever, but uh, it was. So they looked at the Batcave from Batman versus Superman. And it was, you know, it was just one of those videos that takes the piss out of everything. But it's like, shit, why did I have to watch this? Because now I can't unsee it. (laughs) Um, So obviously the whole thing about the Batcave is that it's secrecy and nobody knows that, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne, all of that stuff. Who the hell do you think built that Batcave? Because... You would not only need architects, you would need construction workers. You know, look at the layout. Because it's, it's like under the lake. Con- there's concrete. So, yeah, the entrance. So you would also need a tunnel that can move up like an elevator and have that that um, uh, that space uh, so that the water so that the water uh, overflows into, but not floods the tunnel. You have all of this stuff, and plus all of the computers, all of the bat tech, all of that. Are we to believe that Batman and or that Bruce and Alfred are the sole people that erected all of that stuff? And it's like shit. Now, whenever I think about it, I can't. Oh, dude, I can. I can't unsee that. Oh, I can. I can. I can. I can square this for you real quick. Thomas Wayne built that as a fallout shelter during the 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 nuclear scares of the the 50s and 60s and then Bruce just oh. added to it okay see that how easy is that actually make that makes a lot of sense <laughs> Shit, that makes a lot of sense you're gonna sleep like a baby tonight now right? now I can yes now I can unsee it now I can unsee it <laughs> generational yeah. wealth they got all sorts of shit yeah <laughs> you know how many plot holes you can you can fill with generational wealth <laughs> well yeah i mean just wealth and ge- wealth in general no shit right yeah i mean it even says it now what's your superpower Power, <laughs> <I'm rich>. um, <laughs> yeah yep what do you think of of ben affleck gonna be in uh, aquaman 2 i thought that was really exciting uh, I, news myself. so i was really happy when i heard about um ben affleck um i i i I don't know if how much of a minority I'm in. I don't care how much of a minority I'm in. Um, he, he was perfect um, as as Batman, and I was one of those people that had uh, reservations going into Batman versus Superman when I heard in I think it was 2013 that he had been cast. 
I was one of those people that are just like, okay, well, um, I guess we'll wait and see, you know. Um, I, I remember when I found out about Heath Ledger as the Joker, and I was just like, okay, yeah, not what I would have thought, but I'm sure he'll do fine. Um, and everyone who doubted that was blown out of the earth um, with that performance. And then a few years later for Anne Hathaway and Catwoman, I'm just like, I'm, I, I, I'm uh, okay, um, I don't know. And I was wrong about that. So again, for uh, Ben being cast as, as Batman, I was just like, okay, not what I would have thought, um, but let's see where this goes. And even though I am at the end of the day, ultimately a total like Superman Stan, I would say that he was both as Bruce Wayne and Batman, the absolute highlight of that film followed by Gal as Wonder Woman. Oh, um, yeah. Yep. I'd, I'd, and I'd that agree intro, with that. That intro with the way she just jumps in um, and that fucking music, that <laughs> it's guitar so good. riff. It, and it came out of nowhere. Like, no, but we knew that she was going to be in Batman versus Superman, but we didn't know that that's how it would, even though, yes, that was kind of in the, a, a little bit in the trailer. We never heard that music before. And it's just like instantly just blood pumping, uh, just perfect. And like her sort of like her grunts as she, uh, as she fought, it's just like, oh, shit, this is perfect. Just like it's just perfect. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, for like this generation's live action Wonder Woman, it was an amazing debut. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I liked that movie. Like it, it was well enough to where I've, I've watched it a handful of times. It's not my favorite. It does have one of my favorite live action Batman scenes, though. That scene where yes. he goes to rescue the warehouse. Yeah, that is yeah. that's incredible. It, um, it's some of the coolest shit. Even to this day, it's some of the coolest Batman action you can see, in my opinion. The way that he uses so his different tools and everything. He's got his gadgets that takes out the guns right away. The way that he uses his grappling gun in the fight. It just felt like something right out of the pages of the well, comic. It, it yes, uh, that was um, mind boggling. And so there's some very very quick. Uh, and like very minor quick details that are easy to miss about why that whole sequence is God tiered and actually has very little to do with Batman himself and more about the thugs that he's fighting. The thing is that um, they swarm, they don't take turns. Like there's there's this whole like stereotype in in superhero films or or just fights in general that whenever it's one against a group that they take turns so that the you know the protagonist or the hero has a chance to take him down one by one but they didn't they swarmed him they jumped on top of him the first thing they one of the first things they did was that someone had someone shot the um uh the the batarang. The, no, I'm sorry, the grappling hook. Someone shot the grappling hook out of his hand. And they all swarm. And someone took a headshot. Some, someone had, a, had, had an opportunity for a headshot. 
and they took it. So as Batman is is fighting one particular person, another one comes up behind him and shoots him in the back of the head. Now, obviously, it doesn't work, but they they took it like that's you think that they would like stand back and like wait, like wait until Batman knew that they were there and hold the gun up in a very like dramatic way. But like, no, someone took a hat. Someone had a chance for a headshot and they took him. And another thing is that when shit, this is like I said, it's really, really quick. The whole the the, the part of the fight when Batman mows down a bunch of them with the gun, he's not hold he's not pulling the trigger. He grabs the like the one of the uh, I'll just say thugs, um, but he like he grabs the gun in such a way that it's the guy that's holding down the trigger. And Batman is just aiming it. So it's like it's the guy that's unintentionally shooting his own like uh, uh, teammates. Um, and uh, like the way he uses one of their bodies as like a baseball bat when the guy throws the grenade at him. Yeah, that whole th- it's like it. it is not only is it is it a uh, an incredible fight scene. It's a fight scene done smart. Like they are all, they all fight intelligently. And of course, Batman takes them all down. So there was just that incredible warehouse scene. And, so, and that difference, that extra detail they put into it made that fight scene stand out. Cause yeah. that is a very like kind of old school film method where they can make it more dramatic by having a group and, Oh, they're going to go in and face them off one at a time. Cause that's, what's going to look good time. from the camera. But it's like, mm-hmm. that's really not, it's like, no, the swarm thing's probably really more what's going to happen. And that's yeah. why like martial arts movies, like, have you ever seen the raid or the raid two? I, uh, yes. Uh, no, well, no, I haven't seen them, but I've seen those fight scenes and yes, okay, yeah, it's, then, it's like that. Yeah. There's just so many scenes where it's like, this guy is just getting swarmed by people and they choreographed it in such a way that like, you know, he's engaging multiple people at a time and each one of those multiple people he's dealing with are in different stages of the fight. You know, yeah. it's, it's, in, it's yes. very much like a, like, you know, one of those what was it like streets of rage or something like that? One of those side scrolling video games where you just brawl your way through a double dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we go back Poor to an 80s unlocked. video game. Double dragon with hammer and spike. Yes. <laughs> those are arcade games for the shit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dude, those well, are like, I mean, those, this... that's one of the games that I grew up playing at the, the local pizza pizza place yeah. in, in the small town that I grew up in, where there was just like a handful of, of video games there and yeah lots well, of quarters for TMNT. double dragon and tmnt where you could play four people at once i mean just from oh uh, yeah i, I remember when that like console this, but was just there. from a month just from well even even in the arcade like but the thing is that if you wanted four players you had to insert at least four quarters like from a from a capitalist like point of view like and i hate to say it like this but like that is brilliant and like the simpsons where you can play as any of the four, or you could play all four at once, but you all have to insert money. It's not like it's like one coin and they can all play. It's like every everyone has to pay to play. <laughs> yeah. So that was like so a total like, natural well, evolution for those games. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that Simpsons game. Like, I didn't... I, I, when, I would, when I would play um, uh, uh, TMNT, 
I would always be Donatello because Donatello's staff had the farthest reach. And I realize now, as I can't believe I'm just making this realization now, when I would play the Simpsons arcade game, so you remember like Homer could Homer fists like he would he would punch. Um, Lisa's weapon was the jump rope. Bart's was his skateboard, and Marge was the vacuum cleaner. And I always played as Marge because the vacuum cleaner had the farthest reach. <laughs> nice. So I'm just realizing now that I played Donatello and Marge in the video games because their weapons had the farthest reach. <laughs> That's smart, though. <laughs> I did not even realize that. Well, I mean, so th- they all had a trade-off too, like with home because Homer had used his fists. He had to be closer to the opponents, but he dealt out like more damage. So it, like you, you did have to be closer, but it didn't take very much to like totally disarm your like the opponent. But with Margie, it was a trade-off. Like yeah, she could hit them from farther away, but she had to hit them more. Um, so I think there was it was a farther reach, but her ability to inflict damage went down as like as like kind of like a trade and i forget what it was with like bart and lisa like what they're like how much damage they could do i never played as them yeah but, god i'm like racking my brain I, I don't really remember specifically playing that simpsons game but you know what which one i'm talking about right where like maggie has the diamond and she gets kidnapped by smithers was it for any was it only for consoles or was it on like any of the at home systems? I don't know. I'd have I don't to, I'd know. Have to look it it, it up. was definitely an arcade thing. So yeah, the whole story behind it is that like Smithers is robbing a bank and and like and the the Simpsons are walking with Maggie and they bump into each other and like the di- like when they bump into each other Smithers like throws the diamond up in the air and Maggie catches it with her mouth and starts sucking on it like the pacifier. So she's sucking on the diamond. And instead of, I guess, instead of just grabbing the diamond back, Smithers grabbed Maggie. So that's why you place four of them and not Maggie, because that's the object of the game. You're trying to get Maggie back. Okay. Yeah. I'm Googling it right now. Okay. Yeah. I see the console. Okay, so yeah, it came out in looks like it was it came out in ninety one. So yeah, oh, yeah. I, I'd have been eleven. So it's it's just possible that the 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 old pizza place in Center Point just never had this one. <laughs> yeah. God, ninety and you were eleven in ninety one? Yeah. Shit, I didn't know you were that young. Yeah, yep, I was just born in nineteen eighty. So in my forties uh, now. Super fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little not that far, not that far ahead of you, um, but yeah, not that far, but still, yeah, <laughs> S- still te- technically born in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember any of it. I I don't. Remember I, any of I was it. deep into nineteen eighty. I'm a, I'm an October baby. Oh, but it's like you know, I like I remember, I remember having babysitters watching. MTV, like I think the one of the very first uh, music videos that I can remember uh, seeing was the the I'm your Venus, I'm your fire, your desire. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember having, 
you know, teenage babysitters that, you know, were just girls from around the neighborhood coming in and, and watching us and then taking advantage of the fact that we had cable and watching MTV. I, and... I still remember when, um, uh, when Michael Jackson's hair caught on fire. Oh, like shit. I remember hearing about that. Well, it was, I was in kindergarten. So I think it happened in 83. So I would have been five. So yeah, that the, it, the math lines up and um, yeah, that he was filming a Pepsi commercial and one of the, the, the sparks from the pyrotechnics. Cause you may not remember this, but hairspray in the eighties was a legitimate environmental threat. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were flammable. in the ozone were, layer. Yes, which I do have to say has healed. That was was it is, hydrocarbons? I forget what the chemical was, but it was enough to make hairspray, hairspray flammable. Oh, yeah. Well, because so, that was what I remember. God, how long ago was this? This had to have been either late 80s or early 90s. My cousin had a potato gun that he had made. And you, mm-hmm. it was fueled by hairspray. You would, <laughs> you would fill up the canister at the end with, he would spray yep. in, I think it was like Aquanet or something like that. And then he'd uh-huh. screw the cap on the end and he had taken apart an Atari joystick and wired that up to it with a, like a nine volt battery or something. And so you'd push the button on the top of the joystick and it would Man, f- he fire really the, MacGyvered that shit. It was fucking cool. And believe yeah. me, as a little kid, I wanted one. My dad was like, no. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. It sounds dangerous and stupid. But, like, again, as a kid, I'm just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> there was a time in my life also where I was obsessed with building a catapult or a trebuchet that was built strong enough and safe <laughs> enough to throw a human being out into the river in front of their cabin. Uh-huh. Like, I was seriously pursuing it for a little while. And then I was like, this is probably really dangerous, so I'm going to let this dream yeah. go. <laughs> How amazing would that well, be, though? I, well, I mean, speaking of the the you know the hairspray as as um uh, as a form of combustion, use it, using hairspray as combustion. Um, uh, one of the neighborhood kids in in the neighborhood that I grew up in, we wanted to try to build a rocket ship, and so we 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 first. <laughs> God, this is so like transparent now in <laughs> retrospect. We first wanted to test how effective hairspray as as a as a flammable you know source uh-huh. was. So of course we just take a lighter and hairspray. Um, but here's the part where we didn't really. Th- and now, now, first of all, I, I should say up front, like it's gonna s- no damage was done. There was nothing like yet. Yeah, we were basically caught. Co- this was so stupid. The stupidity basically acted like a homing beacon and some adult knew and caught us before anything. But um, so here's the thing we tested out. Oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say this because it's so fucking stupid. We wanted to test out. So obviously, yeah, we took a lighter and a hairspray. We went into a fucking forest. We tested it in the woods. Dude, I have a story that is so similar to this. Surrounded by trees with wood and dead leaves. And this was, thankfully, oh, you better believe I was, my parents killed me. Like, I was so punished for that. I was basically, I was executed without being, that's how bad it was. And honestly, now, rightfully so. Rightfully so. And my, like, my parents were just like, this is, 
you could have done this. Like it was all like it was nothing, you know, nothing abusive. But yes, they did kick my ass and I deserved everything. But that was how bad of an idea was that somewhere, somehow an adult just felt our presence like through the force or something and and found us. And <clears throat> I went ho- I think we just bolted. Um, and when I came home, maybe about like 30 minutes later, there was a doorbell. And when I opened the door, it was that very adult. And the first thing they said was, uh, are your parents here? And I mean, at that point I was just like, I, like I was stupid. I wasn't that stupid. I figured the gig the, you know, the jig was up. So, um, yeah, it, we did not have a chance to burn the forest down. Uh, we were thankfully in someone thankfully intervened, but we just had this stupid idea of trying to build a rocket ship and wanting to test out the propulsion. So we basically, like the morons that we were, just basically took hairspray and a lighter. I don't know where we got the lighter from, or maybe it was matches. I don't. I don't know. But, um, and we went into the forest. Like that's how how short sighted this was. That we knew. That, you know, wood is, is you know, flammable, dead leaves, all of that stuff. And yet we thought out of all – maybe it was because we thought it would give us cover, like because we wanted we wanted to be discreet about it. Um, but I, I don't know what possessed us to make us think that of all goddamn places – like, like t- a, an empty parking lot, like behind the supermarket – God, a dumpster. At least it would be contained if something went wrong. But no, <laughs> no. We went into the damn forest. We thought that of all of that, it like we vetoed every other idea and said, let's go into the woods and do this. <laughs> and again, it's like it was it was it was nothing short of divine intervention that someone somehow caught wind of what we were doing. And stopped it before anything had a chance to happen. <laughs> Dude, I I had a pyro friend that lived across the street, and so I hung out with him all the time. And really, really smart kid, and like he was really into chemistry and shit like that. And so he would come up with these concoctions that were just fantastic. And there was one of them where he said he was trying to build something that would be, or he was trying to mix something that would be like C4, only it just had to get mm-hmm. really hot to to go off instead of take an electrical charge like C4. And so we went in the woods back behind his house and we dug a hole in the ground and got a really, really hot fire going to where it was filled with coals. And then he dumped this, it looked like a lump of like modeling clay, dumped it in yep. and then we poured a bunch of coals on top of it. And then uh, kind of stood back for a long time. We gave it a long time and nothing was happening. And so then we were getting ready to go and I was like, I was, you know, a Cub Scout and I was like, well, we can't leave a fire in the woods, yeah. even if it uh-huh. isn't a hole. And so there was an old piece of plywood out there. And so I took it and threw it over the hole. And while we were walking away, the thing fucking went off and blew a hole through the cardboard like it had been oh, shot with a fucking damn. shotgun. And we were like, holy shit. And um, but the the more memorable one that he did was <laughs> he made this solution that it was in like a spray bottle and like he had like a all these cotton balls and like if you sprayed the stuff and like really soaked it on the cotton balls and then lit the cotton ball on fire 
you could throw it like a little like Kumehameha fireball and and it Uh would stick to surfaces. And so we went under this bridge in the middle of the town. (laughs) (laughs) like had all this sand and like a little narrow creek running through the middle of it but it was like all this space under the bridge and it was really overgrown all around so you were kind of really secluded under this thing even though it was like right smack dab in the middle of town and so we're throwing all these fireballs and making them stick on the concrete of the bridge like underneath (laughs) it and like they're all just like sticking to the wall and just burning all by themselves and like looking like little just black burnt marshmallows that just have these blue flames coming off of them yeah and then, but we figured out that when you'd light it, your fingers would light on fire too. But when you threw the yes. thing, it would go out, right? And so then we just started mm-hmm. just spraying it on our hands and lighting our hands yep. on fire and then making it yep. go out. And it culminated with our buddy Travis wanting his whole, uh, he wanted more on fire, <laughs> like oh. than just his hand. And so Mike took the, the spray bottle off and actually poured it on his arm. And then when we lit him on fire, he was waving his arm around and there was too much accelerant now and it wouldn't go yeah. out. And so then he started freaking out and like jumping yeah. around, like on fire, waving his arm and like jumping back and forth over this narrow little creek. It was fun. Eventually it burnt out and like he didn't, he didn't have any hair left on his arms and he was like lobster yeah. red, but he didn't have any like you know, even like first degree burns or anything like that. So, I mean, we really lucked out in retrospect. You, yes. (laughs) But there was no adults that had that, that feeling that tremor in the force that you guys did. Like we just, I I think Travis said when his mom picked up, she was like, why do you smell like kerosene? (laughs) It's like, oh, you have no idea. Uh. (laughs) Well, one of the, God, one of the kids that I was, went to high school with, he coated his hand in rubber cement, which is flammable. Very flammable. At least the, at least the one. I, I, I don't. I wonder if they I changed think, it. I think it still exists. I yeah. I don't know if it like. But yeah. Anyway. But I know. Like I use barge of, cement sometimes, and that stuff is super toxic smelling. So I bet rubber cement's still the same. Well, but this and but. This was the one that, you know, with with the paintbrush on the inside of the cup that on the inside of the cap that we all had in, uh, you know, in. Um, yeah, you'd use it in like uh, elementary school and in so, the school, like, making collages school. and shit. And so one one person coated his hand in rubber cement. And well, I mean, given the context of the story, you could figure out what happened next. <laughs> but it was the rubber cement. It, it's. Obviously, it's a glue, so it's it's stuck to him like napalm. Oh no, that sounds terrible. So he could, yes. Oh yeah. So there was, uh, I would say, oh, because no, uh, this is this is stupid and misguided. But at the very least, I could see his logic. It, there's a followable logic to it. He thought that the coating of the rubber cement would act as an insulator, thereby shielding him from the heat oh no that's what he no oh yes and he was dead of course he was dead wrong so he had about two seconds of uh, maybe not even he <laughs> okay i'm the human torch <laughs> the human torch he had just enough time to say oh cool that's it like how time me whatever say oh cool like that was a second second and a half before he started like like doing the uh, you know flicking his his hand up and down and thankfully most of it had already like dried so it's not like he was flicking 
napalm everywhere. Oh, imagine that. Oh, that'd just, be awful. He lit it, and it was inside school. Like, he was in, this was not in the woods. This was not on the playground. This was, <laughs> um, like, by the lockers. Did he, like, just have places. a lighter in his pocket or something? Yes, he was. Oh, yes, damn. Yes, I don't think, I because I, I remember who it was. I do not believe he was a, I do not believe he was a smoker, but I think he had, he still, like, yeah, he had a lighter um, on him because because, yeah, he wasn't a sm- he was um, I don't know if you remember this, but remember in the 90s when there was like straight edge, like the kids that would put the X's on the oh, back yeah. of their hands. Yeah, that's still. Thick. Yes, he was. He was straight. Oh, it's still. Oh, totally. Dude, I I've, I've had uh, my friend Daniel Dominguez that's been on the show a couple times. He's he's straight edge. Yeah. Oh, I did not know. Uh, yeah, I didn't know his little thing. Uh, but the the person that did this was um, was straight edge, so he wouldn't have been a smoker. I don't know if the, he was borrowing it because the only other way that you could make fire is through the uh, Bunsen burners, and and it wasn't in class. I like <laughs> I I feel like I remember. So it would he would have had to either have a lighter, even though he wasn't a smoker, was borrowing it. But yeah, he basically got just like. As long as it takes to say, oh, cool, before he just started flipping out and just like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And and he was fine by that. But um, it, at least there there was a logic. Like <laughs> like I said, he thought that the that the, the coating, the thick coating of the rubber cement would insulate him, which it initially did. But it's not that thin or it's not that thick like and it does burn away so it wasn't it, it took literally 1 second before said coating was insufficient to provide insulation and he just started freaking out <laughs> yeah oh the stupid like what a terrible science experiment do. what the stupid shit that we do like and you know now it, what's even scarier is that we have kids and now it's like what dumb shit are they going to do that we're not even going to find out like if it again if it weren't for that person i wouldn't have told my parents like the the person who found out about the spray can they told my parents i was not going to i had some brains enough to say why would i why would i just up and offer this information to my parents (laughs) had it not been for that person i would that i would have never told them so i do have to wonder like what like what stupid shit is that? You know, it's great for it's it's funny for us to look back on. Yes, in hindsight, like, now, they can be funny stories. Like, what are they gonna do? Uh, absolutely. What, what, what are they gonna do? Like I'll I will tell you, know? you this story and and laugh about it and stuff. But if my kids came home and said, "Listen to what we did in the woods today," yeah, <laughs> that kid across the street he made a bomb. <laughs> I'd be like what? Yeah. <laughs> and I saved I a mean, lot of these stories for I repeated them to my parents once I was an adult. And I remember yeah. my mom even at one point saying something like, these are stories that parents aren't supposed to know. I'm like, no, but it's really funny to me to tell them to you now well, because I lived now. through it all. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I can, well, I can, I can readily admit that in many times during a lot of my escapades from when I was a kid, I'm, I'm lucky I lived through a lot of them with all the dumb decisions oh, I yeah. made that I somehow skated through without injury. Like, God, between we like somehow, cliff diving and cliff diving and fucking rock quarries and shit like that. It's like, I'm, I'm so lucky that I like all we, me and all my friends are lucky that none of us got injured doing crazy shit like that. We somehow survived evolution. <laughs> yeah. 
somehow. <laughs> yeah, somehow during all of it, like it was like I was just hell bent on winning in a Darwin Award, but I never did. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I built and then, and then I built a zipline to college. <laughs> I built a zipline out in the, the woods line. with a rope I found washed up from flood water. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that thing I didn't get more than five feet down that thing before that rope snapped and I fell twenty feet to the ground. <laughs> I was lucky I walked away. No, not even a broken bone. But dude, oh. well, I had also found all this like padding out in the woods, like old foam. And and so I piled that all up under me in case anything went wrong. And so I did land on my foam, but it uh-huh. wasn't very thick. And my head did hit the ground about a foot away from a oh. board with a bunch of nails sticking straight up out of it. And so when oh. I was a kid, I used to lay awake at night and think, is there an alternate reality version of me that died from I, like a bunch yeah. of 16 penny nails going in the back of my head from when I fucking oh. bailed it on my, or, you know, fell off the fucking zip line. Do you ever think about weird shit like that? Yes. How, <laughs> yes. It's like how, every time how I had a close came. call, w- what if in a yeah. different reality I died? And here's the even trippier part. What if you just bounce along in each of these realities and then when you die, you just kind of zip over to the next one and you just kind of go along? And well, it's that's like the, basically that's like the once... quantum suicide theory. Uh, okay. That's, that's... Please explain this. I've never heard those words. You just did. I don't have to explain it. You just did. That's exactly it. The quantum suicide theory. You just explained exactly what it is that in like for every, like every decision that we ever made exists, but we made the different decision. And that includes us dying. So imagine if it's like Russian roulette with um, six, so you know, uh, there's six um, uh, round, no, no, there's six chamber, one round, six chambers. So that means that out of just that one game, there are only five of you that survive because each one in the different reality got it a different chamber. And it's it's called the quantum suicide theory. So According to that, yes, there is another reality where you didn't make every single. Th- it's not just um, it's not just like life or death thing. It's like every every decision everyone has ever made branches an alternate reality where it whereby in the other one they did another option, and so when you think about every. Every choice we've ever had, every zig when we could have zagged and vice versa, every time we we like stay – should I stay like five minutes more or should I leave now? Like even something like that. And all of the people and all of the decisions that they make and all of the – like this sort of the web of multiverse that's happening based solely on decisions and that includes um, – uh, close calls so yeah it's it's i mean it's purely philosophical there's no it sounds scientific of course because you throw quantum in front of it and it sounds (laughs) just it sounds (laughs) so scientific um but it's it's purely philosophical it's like the simulation theory it's like the multiverse theory it's like the holographic universe theory it's like these are things that sound scientific but they are purely speculative and philosophical um but that's exactly it what you described wow yeah that's yeah and you know that thing with 
that thought of like, oh, every time a, a different decision is made, you know, there's a, a, a new a new reality that springs, you know, that branches off into being. Right. Yeah. If you think about it, that means that the amount of realities that would be created just by one human being, because then yes. each one of those would then go to start to branch off and each one of those would yes. branch off. And so it, it would become very, it'd, it'd, be, it'd just be so huge that you think of just a single a single human lifetime in the span of that would create so many different dimensions that then when you consider that with what, like 8 billion, 9 billion people in the world, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's a lot of fucking mm-hmm. realities. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Through all of time, that's it, a lot it, of realities. It's mind boggling. And like, that's uh, it, like I said, it's, it's purely philosophical, but it's like, imagine if there was any, like if there was any, shred of reality to it how uh, how like astoundingly colossal it would be to try to track all of this with all of the people everyone that's ever existed every decision and all of these interweaving and then branches that are then branching off so yeah it's yeah just mind-boggling to <laughs> it's fucking wild keep in mind yeah but then, so you picture a concept that's that big, and then you look up over your head at night and see all those stars out there. And especially with like the new pictures from the James Webb Space yeah. Telescope, with seeing there's just so much out there, and it just keeps going in every direction. Yes. And so when you know that things like that, like okay, that really exists, and that's the proof of it's right there, and it's so big yeah. that it's hard to comprehend. And so it makes you know other you know, the theoretical <laughs> exercises and thought like, like that, you know, seem a well, little bit more plausible. It would have to be because I mean, when you, when you think about it, you know, the human, the evolution of the brain occurred when we did not need to track this. So let's say human beings have been around for, 200,000 years. Um, We only started going to space less than a century ago. That is a very, very small fraction. So even though evolution takes a very long time, the majority of human history has been spent in caves and huts and the plains. And during that time, the only thing that the brain needed to evolve to comprehend has had solely to do with survival. So, you know, it's, we have a memory, we have the ability to, to retain memories so that we can remember which animals are safe to be around and which ones are dangerous to be around. We have memories so that we know who our friends are and who our rivals are, who our kids are and who other kids are escape routes. Like if you want to know how, um, our brain evolved in such specific ways. You have to ask yourself, what is the fundamental purpose of this? Like, what was this ultimately um, uh, uh, evolved to provide us? And <clears throat> we we only started exploring space in the last like two seconds of human history, and therefore, the scale of the cosmos. It literally. 
Okay, had some technical difficulties there. We are back. What were we talking about? Space there? Uh, yeah. The, um, um, I, I forget. I don't know when I got when the uh, internet cut off, but um, yeah, just I mean, like the the uh, the scale of the cosmos is beyond what like our brains are are capable of comprehending and as far as distance as far as time um they're just yeah it's not to say that we'll never get there but it's it's too much for us to handle so that's why space tends to get represented like um or i should say misrepresented um oh for sure yeah yeah but it does make for fertile ground for, you know, sci-fi stories and stuff oh, like that. Absolutely. Just because it is, it is this, you know, frontier that it, it's, it's like a frontier of mystery. Like what, what is out there? And oh, uh, yeah. Because it's gotta be, it's gotta be, there might be a whole bunch of shit out there. We considering that well, it just goes as far as you can see and likely around every star you're seeing, there's planets circling it. It's yeah. Like so much potential out there oh yeah i'm totally not taking the piss out of it obviously for like for for the sake of you know keeping a a viewer or reader engaged um but i mean to go to just our nearest planet uh would take six months so imagine going into a room with a bunch of other people for six months in a room that's it for six months it's there's nothing to look at nothing to do except keep it going and that's just to our closest planet sometimes it's sometimes it's mercury sometimes it's mars um but our closest planet six months and would it be venus venus or mars no no it's it you would because um venus has a very very slow orbit so even though Mercury is closer to the sun, it spins faster and thus has it like at any time of the year, chances are Mercury is closer to the Earth than Venus. Oh, OK. Because I get what it's been it spins slowly and it orbits uh, very, very slowly. And that's also one of the reasons why. It's uh, it's as hot as it is. It has an atmosphere, but because um, it spins so slowly, it has a chance. Like it, it's like the the surface has more of a chance to cook. Yeah, it's got a um, runaway greenhouse effect there too. Yeah, like the, the very oppressive cloud covers. So it's almost like taking a thermal blanket and yeah. putting it over a fire. You know, it's just going to make yeah. things very very hot inside. Incredible pressure there too. Have you seen the pictures? From yep. that Russian space probe that landed there and was able to take yeah. a few pictures before uh, it was yeah. basically like two crushed into a tin can. Yes, <laughs> it's fucking wild, dude. Yeah, it was a so it was a Soviet probe, I think, from the seventies, and I forget what it was called, but it was yeah, it was a venereal uh, probe, and um, it, it was only able upon its touchdown, it was only able to take I think like two pictures. Like it's it's the by far the most un like the farthest from inhabitable yeah Um, unless you were to build like a bespin type cloud city then you might be able to live in the atmosphere well and that's that's the thing too it's that if they if 
someone were to, which wouldn't be so hard to do because the pressure is so much that it's not like you would have to make it hover. You would just have to make it float. And the surface on Venus is so dense that it might as well be miles underwater. So making a city float would be a lot more like feasible because it would not need to hover. Um, it would it, like it. It's possible. It would actually be. I think it would be more feasible to build a floating colony on Venus than it would be to have a colony on Mars. It, Mars just feels like you've got to you've got to do way too much work to begin yes. with. Yes, <laughs> because it's like uh, you've got to build. You're gonna to have to be basically living in a spacesuit while you yeah. build some sort of dome, or you have to send robots that are sophisticated enough there to actually build your enclosures before you arrive. Well, any Mars has no magnetosphere, so it gets bombarded with solar radiation. So when, and I would say when, not if, but when we uh, are able to start sending human colonists over to Mars for at least, well, first of all, it's going to have to be a one-way trip. Like there's, there's just no way that they would come back. Um, they would all um, die from cancer. It, it would just, there's they, it would basically be a suicide mission. Um, the yeah, unless soil, they get the like air, right underground right when they get there, right? On, and they would have to stay there. Uh, there's, yeah, just, there's no going for walks outside. No, no. And no matter what, you, they would have to be in some type of enclosure, whether it's something like a, a bubble or, you know, like a dome, a dome city. Um, but they would never be able to just go outside without any sort of protection from the elements. So it their lives would be in one to one extent or another permanently indoors. Um, there is very little water. There is very little atmosphere uh, and Mars is losing its atmosphere too, because it has <clears throat> no magnetic shield. It's the magnetic shield that's stripping away the Martian atmosphere. So eventually it will be like the moon, like just no, no atmosphere. So, if anyone would seriously consider the prospect of terraforming Mars, the first thing they would have to do is establish some type of generated magnetosphere to protect the atmosphere from being stripped away. Um, and But that doesn't even start to cover the radiation that's already baked into the soil. Nothing will grow. You know, the, the whole scene uh, in, in the movie The Martian where Matt Damon is is growing vegetables in the soil, that wouldn't work. Like, that soil is poison. Um, so there's so many things, and it is so far away, and it, it one-way trip is six months. And when you think about what supplies are necessary and obviously like funding and the manpower who would do this and what it would take to keep it up. Um, yeah, it's, 
like I said, it would be a lot more feasible to have some sort of floating city on Venus. It just feels like that would be the way to go. But I mean, there, yeah. I mean, I guess you're kind of stuck inside there too. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're kind of yeah. stuck in, in your giant floating city. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's I, again, going back to like, you know, the whole thing of, of evolution is that our bodies were adapted to this very, very specific atmosphere, this very specific atmospheric content and this specific gravity. Yeah, that's what um, I was just going to say, this gravity also, because some of the things that they've seen with effects on humans long term in the space in station, space. it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Our bodies well, are not made for zero G. Yeah, their their spine basically gets pulled like an accordion. Um, so it is one of the things that tends to get underreported in the ISS mission, missions is that, you know, we've spent our entire lives, again, with this gravity and how it affects our spine. And then you go into zero G, which basically, again, it pulls you apart like an accordion. So along with having to work and not being able to go anywhere or see anyone else and any sort of lags in, in communication – they also have to deal with um, osteoporosis because it's yeah, not yeah. just the spine. They lose it's also bone the, density. They lose bone density and the severe back pain of their spine being pulled up because there's nothing to hold it down. And it would be similar to uh, – it would be similar on Mars um, that uh, I don't know how humans would look once once they're able to like evolve in a martian um uh that sort of martian climate that sort of martian atmosphere with gravity um but let's say hypothetically that someone is able to successfully build and maintain a a, a colony on mars whether it's above the earth whether it's above the surface below the surface whatever and let's say it's sustainable for multiple generations and you have children born on Mars who then grow up and have children of their own who are born who are born and raised on Mars. They would look physically much, much different because their bodies would have to adapt to everything on Mars. They would not be, I mean, literally not born of this earth. So they would, within just a few generations, human beings would appear very very different um their skin might be different uh it might be thicker to to shield themselves from the radiation they might adapt to be able to breathe some more higher concentration of carbon dioxide and less on oxygen um their eyes might be different because the sun would produce a different degree of light um, so I would say that their eyes might eventually evolve to be larger. Um, you get those golem eyes going. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Well, and not only that, another thing that gets that tends to get underreported is that because the atmospheric content is so different, sound travels differently. Um. I hadn't even considered that. How we would sound. So there, not only would our vocal cords, but our ears would have to. Uh, so there's, I, I forget where I saw this, but I think that this is on YouTube. 
So someone did like a, a like um, a thought experiment of how would if, if we could breathe on Mars, if we could like do all and survive, how would we sound based on the chemical elements in the atmosphere and also the density of the atmosphere itself? So I think <clears throat> I could be wrong on this, but I think that with the carbon, it would create a deepening of our pitch. But we would also sound higher in like some parts of our voices would be deeper in pitch. Some parts would be higher. So because of the oh, that's right. Because of the carbon, we would uh, we would sound deeper. But because the atmosphere is less dense, it would be strangely higher in pitch. So if you could take like a very, very deep voice and shrink it to the size of a Smurf and imagine how he would sound so our voices it's and it's weird it's like they actually played this like a simulation of what our voices would i think it's on youtube if you put like if you did a youtube search of like what what would we sound like on mars or like human voices on the sound of the human voice on mars or something like that it would not be that hard to find um but it's it's eerie because it is very very unhuman like um so our voices would be different. Our ears would be different. Our eyes um, uh, would would be different because we would be breathing in a different atmosphere. Our noses would be different as well, and they might enlarge or they might shrink. Um, because it's a colder atmosphere, we might start to evolve more hair and return to like uh, like an ape-like appearance for insulation. So Martian human beings would be hairier, likely hairier. They would also be taller because Mars's gravity is, is about a third. So they would be able to grow much taller and their limbs would be much uh, limber. Um, as well, so their arms would be longer, legs would be longer, eyes would be bigger, ears would be – I don't know how they would be if it were bigger or smaller, but ears would be different, voice, mouth. What we would eat would depend would, – would govern how our teeth, um, how they evolve shape, and our metabolism and how the chemicals are broken down. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, we would we, be very, very different. I a, wonder how long alien. it would take. You exactly. That's exactly the track I'm going on. How long would it take before it is a completely alien species? And it's like we can't even. It's like no, there, there's no crossbreeding. There's that none of that I, works. No. You guys are biologically different well, now. I wonder realistically how many generations would that I don't take? know. But it would have to it would have to happen because when you think about it, evolution takes literally millions of years. But that's when the cli- that's when the climate is stable, like for <laughs> exactly. better or worse, the climate is stable. But this would be an instantaneous jump. We'd be jumping from literally planet to planet. So it would you would have to adapt. In, so, I mean, another hallmark of evolution is is, you know, sort of survival of the fittest and those that do not have adaptable traits die so you're gonna uh, unfortunately in order for this type of martian evolution to be to succeed you're gonna have on i hate to say it like this but it's like you're gonna have a lot of 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 miscarriages 
a lot of of stillbirths, um, a lot of dead infants, babies, newborns, and and children. Like, and if you have like a hundred babies, only one might survive, if that. So it it's it's not only going to be excruciating having to deal with all of those alien, literal alien elements for the colonists, but you would also be the psychological trauma of potentially having their children die because they're, you know, it's, the, the mothers would have been born on Earth and their reproductive systems would have evolved to suit an Earth atmosphere and literally earth itself um and how um the like the you know again the martian gravity the martian atmosphere uh, how it would affect how a fetus develops um it might not uh so it's i, I don't know how they would get across this but it would be basically not just adapt but instantly change and i don't know if we are physically capable of doing that because Evolution takes longer than that, but we're talking about just a couple of generations, and it works nowhere near that quickly. I, I, I can't cite exactly where I read it, but there was something where it was showing that there's certain evolutional changes that can happen very abruptly. But with what you're saying, with all yeah. the you know severe there, birth defects yes. and stuff, it's it, it would it'd have to be a bumpy road at first until like kind of the genetics there's, work itself out. Joe, I know what you're talking about. There's two, actually there's actually two. There's two. There's two sort of evolutionary discoveries that have been made. But I hate to be Debbie Downer on this, but those were very very specific traits. So, like I said, there were two of them. One of them was a um, a, a, a culture that lives in the Himalayas. So they had these those uh, a particular uh, culture or tribe. Their lungs had evolved to be able to live off of the oxygen at that height. Oh yeah, the Nepalese people—they have more yes. uh, white blood cells that they carry. Yes. It allows them to live at these high altitude places. That's why Sherpas make such incredible mountaineers. It's because they're. Yeah. Their base level, their base level's already there, and their their blood just works for it. And yeah. it is one of those things where it's like, under the right evolutionary circumstances, human beings can kind of develop some stuff that's, I mean, this might be very low level, but that's some superhero shit. <laughs> that is, well, and the other one is, um, I forget, I, I feel like I want to say South America, or Central or South America, but it's a... Um, they're people that evolved the ability to see clearly underwater. So they basically have – it's like a third – Yes. They I have not heard under, of this one. This is amazing. They, because – yes, because the, 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 um, the culture, they are uh, – they're fishermen. But they, 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 they fish underwater with spears. So they had uh, a third eyelid that can – like crocodiles. Um so that they can see clearly like 20 perfect 2020 vision underwater and they did it because their survival depended on being able to hunt fish so you have one one part of the world where they evolved parts of their eyes and the other where they developed parts of their 
blood and parts of their lungs. Again, those are very, very particular, and it's not all it, it's not the whole body. And with Mars, it would have to be. Um, and that, oh, yeah, and, it would have to be on such a huge scale because it would like the, yeah, I mean, you laid out so many things earlier that I'd never thought of, especially the one where there's less gravity. People are going to be a lot taller. They're going to be taller. And, yeah. You're not going to be able to be in the sun. That means that after a while, their skin's going to lose a lot of pigmentation. Like the thing I yeah. said about Gollum earlier, that's really not that far off. Well, the, yeah, but so the the skin pigmentation would be different. But again, because of the high, the the uh, deadly amounts of radiation, there would have to be some evolutionary protection against that. Um, aspect, not just the light or the heat, but also the radiation. Hmm. But what if you're spending all your time either underground or if you're above ground, you're in some sort of suit? Do you think over time your body's just not even going to really develop hair anymore because it really doesn't need that to keep itself warm? Well, yeah. I, I, again, it's all speculative. So if, if <laughs> I know this is, a, are, this is a very this fun, a, there's the, fun bullshit conversation we're having. And I absolutely NASA love ain't it. going to be calling us. There's going to be no one just like, oh, shit, get the president. We have to get these people on board. Um, so, yeah, this is. Um, oh, and by the way, the video, I did happen to find it. So the video is on the channel Anton Petrov. And the video is called What Would Your Voice Sound Like on Mars? So that's the video of how the human voice would um, sort of travel through the Martian atmosphere. So, again, the video is called What Would Your Voice Sound Like on Mars? And the channel is Anton Petrov. Oh, nice. P-E-T-R-O-V. Yeah. So, Do you know uh, about how far an, it, into it it gets before he's playing the voice? Because it looks like it's six and a half minutes. It is. It is. Well... And of course, I got like two ads. <laughs> um, and they're both unskippable. And the first one's 15 seconds long. So, of course, I'm just like, I'm stalling. Like, this is this is why I'm talking. I'm stalling. <laughs> um, Hold on a sec. I've listened to this before. I can actually start speculating. Oh, I got to play I guess here. in some sense, preparing for what's waiting for us there. You may have not known, but... As a first mission that we, uh, on the surface of Mars, in the distance, what if we, for example, taking off my uh, so to me uh, here? Now, obviously, don't try this at home on Mars, especially if you're watching this in the future from Mars. Do not take off your helmet. Um, this mean Schwarzenegger having his eye, you just kind of pass <laughs> out. Should have seen from Total um, Recall. I love so it. <laughs> it will sound like it's coming on Mars, especially the fact it would be Mars. This is me speaking with regular speed. <laughs> Oh, here we but go. The thing is, because of the thinness of atmosphere, it would be really hard to hear me. And as you can probably understand from what you're hearing right now, all of the low frequencies are almost completely inaudible. You can only hear the higher frequencies. Yeah, that's weird. And so it sounds this like is talking just in a can. the way my voice would transform. Yeah, that's wild, dude. Yeah, I thought it would be, or maybe that was. Oh shit! Never mind. It's. The, it's it wasn't carbon it was hexafluoride that's why it would sound deeper it was venus so i guess that's oh, another okay. one of what would your voice sound like so yeah the hexafluoride would make a voice sound 
deeper. So I got it confused. That's what your voice would sound like on <laughs> on Venus. But yeah, I wonder if so that's say, the thing because I've seen I've seen physicists in classroom do the demonstration where they do they they suck in helium and talk. Yeah, and then there's something else that they suck in that I don't. It's hex, okay, fluoride. Yeah, and that like gives them the yeah. voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that shit's wild. Uh I swear we were talking about Batman at one point. We probably and were. This, we're, this show's yeah, we're wild on. for tangents, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's why That's why a long time ago I gave up doing show notes. I'm like, no, nope, yeah. it's more or less the same format. I put in a different person's name if they have a podcast. I'm going to mention that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, listen and figure out what the hell we talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Too I, fun, I, though. I, but it's always so good to know that I'm far from the only person that actually like actually sits down and thinks about shit like this. Oh no. Like it's, it's so much fun to just sit and because I mean, they're unknowable quantities. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, your mind can just kind of go on a fanciful ride and sure. I mean, is, is everything that we just spent, I don't know, probably 20, 30 minutes talking about absolute bullshit. (laughs) Probably. Probably. But was it fun to talk about? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Because <laughs> that's pretty interesting shit. And who knows, like, man? At some distant point in the future, I mean, th- these these could all be very real concepts that humanity's going to have to start wrestling with. Yeah. Well, and... So one of the things that the uh, NASA's JPL the jet propulsion lab one of the things that they're working on is a it's not going to be launched for a while but i i do think it is on their radar so if life does exist on another on, on a world outside of earth the common consensus among like astronomers xenobiologists and just basically anyone who actually just again just thinks about this it is likely going to be on europa which is one of the moons of jupiter and um so the jpl is developing a submarine because it's not it wouldn't be on the surface um the only underwater the it's under like a couple miles of ice or something really but that's the thing too that it's that you couldn't just you couldn't just launch a submarine at it you would need to find some sort of drilling mechanism that could go from literally miles to create to bore a hole just the right distance to basically plink down a submarine into the water but once they're working on it and once they get to that point it's just a matter of time um, Europa is, it is a moon, but it has liquid water. Um, it has thermal vents that are being kept alive by. So Europa's orbit around Jupiter is elliptical. It's not, a, it's not, it doesn't always stay the same distance. So sometimes it gets closer. Sometimes it gets further. And that is. The, the varying levels of gravity that it experiences, it comes it comes and goes. So if you can imagine, um, again, using the accordion um, uh, analogy, if you could if you could take a ball uh, like a basketball and then put your hands on the side of it the way people tend to hold basketballs, 
and stretch it until it's about the shape of a football and then scrunch it back in and then pull it back out and then scrunch it back in. So that's what an elliptical orbit does is that it, the, the, um, tidal the gravity, it, they're tidal forces. Yeah. And so what happens is that it creates massive earthquakes um, and there's your heat. Yep. So it, it generates enough it's basically heat. Fric- heat by friction. It's friction. Yes. Whereas a lot of the heat that comes from the Earth's core is there's still a lot of radioactive elements that are that are still decaying. And also, I mean, at one point the Earth was completely molten, and yeah. space is terrible. I mean, sure, space is a vacuum and it's cold, but it's really not that good for sucking heat off that fast. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, you don't have to drill down too far in the Earth before things heat up really fast. No, it's going to be really. like that for a long time. But, well, and that's yeah. kind of why Mars doesn't have that. It, yeah, because it's dead. Because it's I mean, dead. It's, 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 its center is, is already cooled planet. to it's, the point yeah. where, where now it's n- it's no longer electromagnetic dynamo no. that creates this field around it that protects you from you know harmful solar rays like, solar like the Earth has had. And like yeah. Ju- Jupiter, like you'd be okay living on yes. one of those moons because you're protected by Jupiter's. Yes. magnetic shield because jupiter's magnetic shield is so fucking big it goes almost all the way to saturn yeah it's fucking insane <laughs> have you and, and like you're you're you seem to be very boned up on this and so i love talking with you about this um have you read about what they theorize the center of jupiter is like yes with basically it's like hydrogen that has become like a new form of mass where yes. it's it's liquid hydrogen that is so condensed that it just behaves like a liquid metal and yeah. it creates an incredibly large electromagnetic field it i mean but which is completely unsurprising when you think about one of the one of the things that people think about when they think of jupiter is the great red spot um that's a storm like that is a storm that is it's that like a is, hurricane. It's yeah, <laughs> bigger than our I mean, planet. <laughs> it's it's by many times over. It's it's between I think like three to five times the the diameter. Of, yeah, you can of put like Earth itself. Yeah, you can put like three Earths across the center of it. It's, it's Something so like that. Yeah, but that's it's a storm. Like that's one of the things that it's like the hallmark like traits of Jupiter is this bright red spot that is vis- that is so big it's visible from earth and it is a literal storm like jupiter is i don't want to say hell on earth because it's not earth but it's so violent um and it's same thing with saturn uh same thing with uranus and neptune like they're all they're gas giants yeah but the gas giants are scary violent violent storms like and again going back to youtube like there's 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 a video series of what would happen if you fell into Jupiter. What would happen if you fell into Saturn? Oh shit! And they I gotta go, look those they up. They go. They but it's oh it's scary because it also gives you a P, like kind of a POV. Like this is what you if you were falling at like faster than faster than Earth gravity. Um, but yeah, it's it is scary. It is dark. It is violent. Of what would happen if you fell into Jupiter. I think the only worst thing, well, there's got to be more worse than this, but like one of the worst ones would be falling beyond the event horizon of a black hole. Cause yeah. they, they theorize that you would get spaghettified 
spaghettified, which is fucking terrible. Yeah, <laughs> basically so, I mean, get, get like dead. taken down to just a yeah. stream of atoms. Atoms. Uh-huh. Oh man, that's gnarly. But from the outside, if somebody were looking at you, it would look like you're just froze there in space. Yes, you wouldn't move because the because of the way uh, uh, the light the way the light is captured. So you would. Be, I don't know if you would be frozen for eternity but you would be visibly moving slower than anyone can perceive so you would still appear outside of the event horizon much much for for a long time after you were already sucked in yeah that's so wild (laughs) yeah i think the the scariest things in space to me are probably magnetars though like those things scare the shit out of me. The thought of something that has such a strong, uh, like magnetic force that that magnetic force in itself could tear your atoms apart. Yeah. Like, in, in like it's, it's space wise. You don't even have to get that close to it. Cause they're so powerful. Yeah. It's terrifying to think what's out there. I know. It's, there, and like, it's space like, is so fucking metal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it really and, is. And yet we have this this earth that is blanket that is protecting us. I mean, this is you know, when we complain about like, you know, the 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 kids of this generation that everything has to be bubble wrapped, uh, which uh, you know, common complaint about younger generation, but it's like the planet itself bubble wraps everything for us. Like we can go outside. And not even notice it because the earth protects us so much that we don't have to think about this. We don't have to think about quasars or magnetars or black holes or solar radiation. Well, I mean, to a point, but there's so much that the earth protects it. And yet we do this and and think that the solution is planet B when really there is there is no planet B. I but. Yeah. Yeah. No, like Earth is the best spaceship that we're ever going to have. Yeah. <laughs> and it's as simple as just take care of the thing. Just just take, start yeah. making long term decisions. Like stop yep. making every decision solely based on the bottom line. Yeah. Because long term, the planet's going to be just fine, but it yeah. might not be inhabitable for us for us for a very long time. If, yeah. If we keep making the decisions we're making. Well, and George Carlin said something very, very similar. I think it was like in the in the 90s, uh, late 80s or 90s, something like that, when, when we talk about that we're destroying the planet. And he said, no, we're destroying ourselves. The planet's going to be fine. The planet's mm-hmm. going to be here. The pla- you know? Um, and, yeah, it's... <sighs> I... I I hope that we are able to shift our priorities to less so from money and more so to like, you know, environmental conservation for the sake of our kids. Cause I mean, again, this, when you have kids, this changes like it, that's not the only way to experience it obviously, but it's like, I, I do like, I do get scared of like, what like I have two boys and they're eleven and and five, and I think about like you know what what would be the state of the world 
climate-wise when my boys are in their 40s. So, you know, this would be like 30 and 40 years away. Um, and it may not be that long, but it's still worrisome. And and I still I still feel bad about it too because I try to like donate to as much environmental protection as I can and be as, you know, like economically friendly as possible, obviously recycle and, you know, try to neutralize my carbon footprint and yet i still drive a car and yet i still like yeah so it's yeah i mean you know to participate yeah. in the modern world it's like you you gotta you've, you're gonna leave a carbon f- footprint of some sort you know it, yeah. unless you're taking drastic measures to to try and go and live some other way but i think even then if you go back and try and live a simpler way like what are you burning wood for campfires? It's like well, you, okay, yeah. you're still putting stuff in the air. I, you, it's yeah. they just need to. And I know that there's minds out there thinking about these things, but it's really as simple as just you know taking taking the stuff that's there and repurposing it. There's yeah. some kid from. Oh, where was he from? Oh, I think it might have been from like Denmark, maybe. And he, it was just a young kid, but he came up with this machine that for getting rid of the, the plastic in the ocean, that giant garbage patch Uh huh. that, oh my God, I saw a graphic of that the other day. That thing's like half the size of the United States. The, the garbage island. It's fucking insane. Patch. Yeah. Like I heard it was big, but I didn't know it was that big. Holy shit. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the things like that, getting that taken care of, figuring out ways Figuring out new ways to to take, uh, you know, carbon from the atmosphere and lock it back up in rocks. Mm-hmm. Like if they can figure out a way to take carbon well, out of the atmosphere and like contain it in cement that they build roads out of, and then maybe even quit making those roads so dark in color so that they reflect yeah. more light than absorb. That they reflect. Yes. Well. You um. Know? Um. Yeah. There are there are cities that are starting to. Uh, I mean, obviously not American cities, but yeah, everything that you just said is it is already that's that's not even a someday. That's that's here. There's a type of um, as far as the 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 carbon locking in rocks. It's actually the soil. There's a particular type of nutrient that you can buy for a garden or for potted plants. Uh, that absorbs um, carbon from the air and locks it into um, their artificial stones that you include in it, but that's where the carbon goes. There's also a type of paint. Uh, it's like uh, uh, lime green. It's like it's not a very attractive shade. It's uh, yeah, it's like l- light lime green. Um, but the paint has algae into it so the paint itself produces oxygen and inhales carbon dioxide um you not only have some highways and roads that are getting painted with a lighter shade so that it it um reflects it but there's also some roads that are basically built out of solar panels um these are all already here. So there are some th- – we're not being – I do have to give credit to, to humanity that we're not being totally wasteful and idle. 
like there are really, really good ideas that have been implemented. It's just it just needs to be more mainstream. Yeah, when when you said the thing about the <clears throat> the solar panels on a road, I think the I saw a photo on Reddit and I think it was attributed to South Korea where it was like a four lane highway with a bike lane in the median and the entire bike lane was covered with like a you know like a, a roof and the roof was made out of solar panels. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, people in the bike lane you know, they get a nice shaded ride to work yeah. and the entire thing is generating electricity at the same time. Like that's the sort of it, civil engineering projects that they really yes. need to start taking on and, you know, doing these things on a massive level where it's like, if you can make it functional and decorative, um, Oh, right on that line. They, um, there was something about like clear glass that they can put in windows that yes. will act as in solar windows. panels. And so yes. it's like, you're seeing through it. Look at, all these solar panels or all these windows that are on the sides of all these steel buildings. Cause a lot of modern architecture, it's just steel and glass. And if you can make mm -hmm. all that glass sheathing on the outside, like uh, produce electricity, I mean, cities of the future are going to be incredible, but I think part of it is this old guard that, you know, yeah. controls the status quo and they, their wealth is based upon the status quo. And if you yeah. disrupt that, you're going to disrupt their wealth. And I think that's where human nature starts to get really dicey, where the, the yeah. people that hold these levers that you need to get to relinquish control, they're, they're, they're going to have to go against their own interests to do it. Yes. But, but it's like, you just need to get through and be like, yes, it's against the own interests of your pocketbook that you might not be, a multi-billionaire anymore. You might just have a couple billion dollars at the end of it. Mm -hmm. But hey, if it means that generations down, your family, your descendants are still going to be alive, would you rather have great returns now and zero future for your grandchildren? Or yeah. let, let's let's make a world... And, and this is the, the kind of the hippy-dippy shit that, that I go off all the time on this show, is that Humans have it. We have the fucking potential to make this planet awesome yep. for everybody, but we just don't. And it's like when you when you start to chase the reasons of, well, why don't you? It's it's pretty petty, pretty petty. A lot of those reasons. What? Why? Why this? Why this isn't a paradise? And it's like it it, it boils down to just the worst qualities of of humans mm -hmm. tend to fucking ruin it. The jealousy mm -hmm. and, and greed and mistrust of others. And, and this this incessant fucking need for your team to come out on top. And mm -hmm. it's like, nah, let, let's all fucking hold hands and fucking sing Kumbaya and think of a better future. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it sounds hippy-dippy, but it's like, fuck, in my version of it, everybody's still alive. Yeah. Uh, eh. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the, like, one of the hardest roadblocks with this is... When you think about it, it's not that much of a roadblock, and that being money and that being finances. But when you think about how how many more jobs this would provide in the development, in the manufacture, in the distribution, in the maintenance, because once you put those solar panels up, that they, they can break, like they would need to be maintained. So the upkeep and all of this, and think about all of the money, and and another thing. Is that if something runs on either solar or wind, 
coal is finite. You are – and oil is finite. You are eventually going to run out. But not the sun. Yeah, I mean, the sun's yeah, just going to keep going. Have, it's going to outlast us. You're not, and you're not going to you're not going to soak up like you're not going to absorb too much that you burn out the sun, and it's like that with wind. That will always be there. We're always going to have wind. We're always going to have solar energy coming in. Mm-hmm. Same so with like hydroelectric. It, There's always going to be a tide going in and out. There, yeah. Well, and some I, I don't know if this is actually done or if this was just an idea, but you know, we think of hydroelectricity being being generated either in a river or a dam. But the thing is that it can be generated in cities through the pipes. Oh shit! When you I think didn't about even all think of, that, of that, dude. Yes, when you think it can about work all just of like that, a turbocharger in a car. Yes, and just they would be obviously they would be smaller so they could fit in pipes. But when you think about all of the pipes, either sewage pipes or water pipes or any other like sort of just whatever flows through pipes, all of those pipes that are required in cities and all of those generators that can be placed in, there's there's the city. God damn. Yeah, it I forget what it looks like, but it's it looks like a top that has um uh, I'm thinking they repurpose like, the billions of fidget spinners that are sitting around useless now. I mean, just like that, just like that. And basically, whenever anyone turns on their faucet, they also had this idea of um, a dance floor of having, um, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, what is it? Piezo, piezoelectricity, which is generated by force. It's power generated by force um, in um, that was generated through a spring mechanism under the floor of a, of a, uh, uh, a club, dance club. So with all of those people that are basically dancing and and creating all of those vibrations in the floor, it generated – like they tried that, but I don't think it was feasible. Like it didn't last, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, you have all of these ideas, and and yet it's like our dependence on oil and coal, even though – it is finite. Again, you're going to run out. And the more you use it, the faster that's going to come. But you're never going to run out of the sun, even with cloudy days, even with you know, the night. It's over time, it's going to be a much more reliable um, source of power. And with all of those jobs it creates and all of those revenues, as you said, it's the old guard. It's not that there's no money to be made. It's that the people that are wielding the power to make the decisions, they're the ones that stand at a loss. Like, I don't know about oil barons, but like anyone who has that type of money would have to have some political influence as well. And there's the problem. Yeah, I mean, people, the people that are in those positions, how do you get them to what in their minds? I'm sure they they ration it out to, well, you're asking me to vote against my own interests. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but we're asking you to vote in the interests of of humanity. Yes. And and, and that's where in, in their eyes, you've probably just like pulled out an acoustic guitar on the campfire. You might as well have. 
You might as well. I mean, that because that's how it sounds, and and that way of looking at it with this stereotypical holding hands kumbaya and acoustic guitar, it's it is it's it's dismissive because that creates a very very particular image of not only someone who is um, a car pacifist to a cartoonish extent, but also someone who is ultimately politically ineffective. And when you look at it with those particular descriptors against who really wields the power and that basically the, the, you know, the, the policymakers who are being motivated by money and very little else, it, we don't realize that we are dismissing ourselves when we sort of see ourselves in that very cartoonishly ineffective way. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, at the end of the day, though, I'm an optimist, and I've I've gone through a, a handful of like natural disasters so far in my life. Yeah. And there's one thing that I will say about humanity and that the, the goodness and the generosity of the human spirit shines through in those times. And I think that people will be able to pull it together and will be able to do the right thing, but it won't be until our backs are against the wall and horrible shit has started to happen. And I hope that's so. when things will start to change. And I, I just think that that's the sad truth of it. I I do hope so. And with my particular profession and with the, the, the capacity in which I interact with the clients that I work with, that optimism is something that has to be sort of baked into my overall outlook. Um, as far as the goodness of, of humanity, I would say that that is pretty unquestionable. And proof of which is the fact that we would not have survived evolution were it not for ourselves, for our ability to survive, to, to adapt, and to help others. Um, this, uh, this idea that compassion and caring goes against evolution – I mean th there was a line in The Man of Steel – so here, here we go. We're tying it back. <laughs> we're to going. We're tying it back. Here, we here it is. <laughs> the scene, the scene where the the Smallville fight with Feora Ul and Superman, and uh, what is it? Um, she, when she says it, it's the IHOP scene, right before she punches him into a bank vault, she said something like, "Your compassion is your weakness." that we don't have, and that gives us the evolutionary advantage. And his history has shown evolution always wins. Okay, there's a logic to that. It is obviously very flawed, and this is coming from the perspective of a villain and someone who is – there's no doubt to the moviegoer that she is a villain. So yes, her worldview is going to be adjusted accordingly, but the thing is that it is our – compassion that allowed us to survive the fact that we help each other so when you think about a a and and again let's take it back to the fundamental elements of when we were going through the majority of evolution okay we were living in either caves or huts or villages you had 
one group of people that were farmers. You had one group of people that were hunters. You had one group of people that were tending to the young. This was all for each other. And it was done so that we could survive. If our natural instinct is to be callous and and uncompassionate and uncaring, we wouldn't have done any of it. No, no. He, if, if that was the dominant trait in all of humanity, we would not have survived. Yeah. And so you'd have to think that if shit does get bad enough, those sorts of th- things do start to get weeded out. Unless there's a shitload of crafty, crafty, powerful warriors amongst them, and then they just go around fucking pillaging and raiding and taking shit yeah. from other people. <clears throat> Boy, the cicadas are really well, making an appearance but, in the in the podcast night. <laughs> it feels like they're really coming through. Uh, can you can hear them? <laughs> I don't know if they're coming from your side or mine, but. <laughs> I uh, well, I don't know. I have a white noise machine out right outside my door, but the door is closed. Oh uh, well, I've got I've got so that, three windows open here, and it's evening, so it's definitely probably coming okay. from my. End. Might be on, might be on your. Well, you know, as far as the the you know the pillaging goes, we did see kind of a little bit at the beginning of 2020 when you know you had people like raiding grocery stores. That the toilet, you know, the great toilet paper shortage. <laughs> yep, people of, hoarding of the, the necessary stuff. And hoard, and hoard hand sanitizers. Like, uh, yes, these were all panic moves, and they were not decisions that we would have made otherwise. But it it shows how like warped our behavior can be in when when we're afraid. And say what you will about about the pandemic and how it affected us. But one of the things that made it so hard for us is that everyone was so like, especially like the first half of of 2020, things were shutting down. There was no cure. There was no treatment. There was no vaccine. Yes, the mortality rate was low, but that ignores the mathematical law of large numbers that that with a sufficiently large enough population, even small percentages would be large amounts of of people. Um, It was at that point unstoppable and invincible. And we were understandably terrified. And in that terror, we did things that we would not have done otherwise, like the to- like hoard- the hoarding of hand sanitizer, um, um, the you know just the the toilet, and just how nasty we were to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's we we saw a microscopic version of that already. So it's you don't have to be a total dreamer to be an optimist. Again, look at evolution and know that we were able to do this. Um, but we if things get worse, then we will be our our emotional response will adjust accordingly. 
and we will be scared. And in that fear, we will we would do things not only things that we would not have done otherwise, but pretty terrible things too. So it's it it's it is hard to be an optimist. That is true. That is, but I mean, hey, we 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 made it through. We're we're still we're still chugging along. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and that was we did this because we did this for each other. Like in in all of those news stories about the toilet paper hoarding and the nastiness. In those, you also had people that were delivering food to other people. You had people that were caring yep. for other people. You had the nurses, the the doctors, all of the hospital workers that were doing double or triple shifts. Um, but that is not nearly as sensational as as any sort of of riot. Um, so it gets underreported. So oh, it's yeah, like, of course, the past two years have brought a new awareness of what we are capable of doing to each other. But at the same time, it also proved what we are capable of doing for each other as well. So. Yep. That's a, that is very well said. <laughs> Dude, it has been you. a fucking genuine delight <laughs> to talk to Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. We, we've got to do this again. <laughs> yes, please. And honestly, now that I know that it's like, because as I was pr- getting ready for the episode, I, I emailed you. I'm just like, what should I like mentally? Pr- should I what? Are we reviewing any, you know, just, and, and you're just like, no, just, just total like stream of consciousness freeform. And so I'm just like, okay, um, I, I, I think I can do this. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, we did it quite so, easily. Yes, please. <laughs> Anytime. And since there's almost no prep work, just for what it's worth, I, I wouldn't need that much advanced notice. If something comes up in a pinch, please. Thank you so much for having me on here. Thank you so much for talking to me and just, Yeah for all of this. Thank you. Oh, absolutely, dude. It's been at my, it's been my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and, Thank and yeah, you. when we were talking about what, what could we talk about? I'm like, Oh, uh, fandoms. I know for sure you and I'd be able to talk <laughs> about DC for a while. I never in a million years would have imagined we'd spend half the episode talking about space and theorizing and shit. This was fun. <laughs> and like I said, I swear we were talking about Batman. What you asked me just like, Oh, do you hear Ben Affleck is coming back for Aquaman too? We didn't talk about anything. <laughs> <Was it> anything? <laughs> it's just like, then we went to Mars and Venus and Jupiter and Europa, and then we came back to Earth and we did the pandemic. It's just like, wow, this was like one of the most like like I, I how many oh oh quantum suicide and and like dumb <laughs> shit almost burning down the forest and <laughs> the pyro stories <laughs> the pyro stories and the Simpsons arcade and TMNT. And just like, oh my god, I feel like this. I feel like we just watched like the Lord of the Rings extended <laughs> trilogy, and we just went all of those. And now, once we get off, I'm going to take off the headset, and it'll be like Sam coming back to the Shire. Like, okay, I'm back. <laughs> I know if you try and trace out the weird <laughs> tangents and turns that like an episode of this show can take, it's like, yeah, well, you spend two hours straight talking to somebody. It's like that conversation you know, might like, go some weird places when it's just stream of conscious. 
Joe, but you know what? Uh, honestly, it, d- don't count yourself completely out of the woods yet because we're going to see 2E2 next week, and you and I are going to be sharing a room. So <laughs> it's be, like, oh, fun, oh, yeah, you just uh, listen. But I'll uh, listen for, for the sake of, of every uh, all of your subscribers. I, I think you did them a great favor by somehow all of this dialogue of avo- avoiding me from talking about. Uh, uh, DC and and some of the movies about the movies that it turned into and the movies that I'm hoping to that it goes to. So you did everyone a service by not getting me to talk about that because when you said <laughs> and you said DC, I'm just like, oh my god! So we're gonna start with the Man of Steel and then Batman versus Super and then the whole the Justice League. Oh my god, that's gonna be. Are is he really sure he wants me? And and I said <laughs> afterwards, I'm just like. Be careful of what you wish for, and it was just like, here we go. You, we all avoided it. This was this was an atomic level cannonball that you got everyone to avoid. Uh, maybe there was some, just like, oh shit, because I'm on, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, and I'm one of those people that gets confused with the with the bots. Oh, gotcha. Like, I'm not, obviously I'm not a bot, but with my tweets, you think I would be. And I've actually started including in my tweets along with, you know, the, along with like the, the hashtags, I do include like, I am, I'm not, it's even in my like Twitter bio too. Like this, this account is being run not by a bot, but by a human being. Like I have to put it on there. A human and, being you know, that loves DC. Fuck that you. Loves, yeah. <laughs> So uh, the the verbal uh, diarrhea that could have happened, and I guess if we're talking about like quantum suicide, then I guess in another reality, um, uh, in another reality, probably right now, it's like, okay, can you please shut up about the Snyderverse movies? Can you, okay, that please, I I get it. Do okay, can, should, I can't take this anymore. I please, I get it. Yes, fine. Okay, whatever. Please. Shut up. Okay, I I gotta go. Okay, oh, you, you're going into you're going into a K into a, I'm driving through a tunnel. We're cut. Wait. I'm not gonna lie to you, dude. That sounds like a really fun episode to do a DC deep dive with you and talk all of Zack Snyder's movies. And yeah, stuff. like I I would be delighted to do that someday. I'm not gonna lie. And and the thing is that yeah, it's I I I am very I. I I'm very like rational minded when I go to this and I'm aware and I acknowledge like the points of views of other people. I'm not saying that this is like, no, this is, this was, these were God tiered and this is everything else is shit. I'm just like, no, hang on a second. Just hear, hear me out on this. Like, but it's to be perfectly honest, it was like the, the, the films that Snyder started in 2013, like those were the films that inspired me to get back into shape and to push myself as fucking far and as fucking hard as I have. Like my like physical like like form, um, I can say unquestionably I owe to those films. It's not because it was it brainwashed me. It's because it inspired me. And like to have any sort of direction with DC going forward to maybe not 
necessarily go back to exactly how those were, but at the very least include some elements of what like beauty those films had, especially now because you're going to be doing a multi like the DC multiverse with the flash. And it looks like that is starting to happen with Ben Affleck coming back for Aquaman two. And with at least rumors, listen, I could be wrong on this, but allegedly, apparently, um, I, I'm not going to say spoilers because I do not know, but uh, uh, there's something with the nightmare um, from Batman versus Superman and the Justice League that the Flash is setting up for. So it looks like that they are going to create multiple timelines that that the films will be jumping from one to the next. Like you'll have like the, like the, the, uh, Snyder established Batman and Superman. And yet you'll also have the lighter, like the Harley Quinn and birds of prey and like the playful Shazam. Like you will be able to have all of this. You can do this. They can do this, but you didn't hang up on me. Did you? (laughs) No, I'm still here. I'm, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's what I thought. That's, I'm, so I'm is, really interested in seeing that Flash movie. Um, I'm all I'm you know, curious. All, all the stuff I'm with just, all of this stuff. Yeah, all, what, all the yeah. stuff with the with um, Ezra Miller and stuff. I think it's really really unfortunate that that all had to happen. You know, around this movie, and it's like, yeah. Um, you know, I I don't love all of the DC EU movies, but there's quite a few of them that that i enjoy a lot and I, yeah. I think that there's a handful of them that have really fucking knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. and and so you know i i don't believe i'm not one of those people that that thinks that oh well just because i love the mcu that means i have to hate the dceu it's like mm-hmm. no i fucking it's all comic oh. book shit and i love yeah i loved i loved bloodshot too give me more valiant comic book stuff even you know yeah. <laughs> i mean if it's comic book stuff and they do it well i'm fucking there for it man and i'm down yeah. and so um, you know, and I, and I love it when I love talking to people that are super into the fandom and, and, yeah. and dude, you, you qualify that on the DC <laughs> sides. <laughs> Thank you. But no, Thank th- you. this has been a fucking great conversation. I, I can't wait to do it again. Um, yes. r- really appreciate you coming on, dude. And, um, Thank you. yeah. Uh, d- is there, do you want to give any shout out to people? You mentioned Twitter earlier. Do you want to like give a Shout out oh to no 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 <laughs> no! I've, again, I'm sparing everyone. No, do yeah. I, I would just uh, I I there's like I don't have my name is not in my my Twitter handle nor any of my 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 pictures. Like you would actually have to know, but um, I do. I tweet this crap every single day. And it's like one of those things. Okay, got oh shut block. Just fucking block. I can't take this anymore. Just block. So yeah. I would say unless you want all of this stuff delivered straight to your inbox every fucking day, um, good luck finding me, please. I'm not – I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I would say think twice before you start to look. Um, <laughs> well, I'll let yeah. you be a mystery man then. <laughs> I will say – I will say though that if – again, if you can find it, my – the profile picture that I use for Twitter is the same as Facebook. So my Facebook and Twitter profile pictures are the same. And the, I took that picture right before going to, to, to E2. So it's the black, um, black Superman, um, the um, uh, Kryptonian solar regeneration suit, the black 
suit um, with a partial view of the silver S. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It or, looks like you've got it for your Skype also. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's the same. Yeah, yeah it's the same. Um, yeah, so, so it's like it, zoomed in on, on Superman's chest plate, kind of. It, it is, yeah. So when they were filming the uh, – or. Yeah, when they were filming the Justice League, uh, the original shoots back in in um, uh, mid twenty sixteen, it Henry Cavill posted a photo on Instagram, very very similar, and so that was what got people excited about the black suit, which, as you know, now we know from experience, was not in the theatrical cut. Um. So yeah, it's Henry Cavill posted something very, very similar. So it's kind of a recreation, um, but that is, it. That's not his picture. That is me. Um, so, it yeah, it, it's my Skype profile. It's basically just it's my profile picture. So if if you see something and it's the the identical photo, then yeah, that's me. But um, uh, again, I would advise people to think twice or even three times before trying to look. Um, because yeah, the the passion and persistence definitely comes out on um, Twitter, and I would um, strongly advise people, um, unless they want to get sick of something very, 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 very quickly, to um, yeah, <laughs> don't don't look for me unless you're sure. But yeah, <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thank Um, you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StartCast.